0: Carol Gold.
1: Hi, it is Sunday, June 18th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. I have to take a moment before I get into the meat of this particular episode and kind of tip my hat and give recognition and acknowledgement once again to Jordan Peterson. I watched Jordan Peterson interview Robert F. Kennedy, who you may know, is a candidate for the Democratic nomination for president running in November of 2024. And Peterson and RFK couldn't be, I would say, on most issues farther apart. Peterson is an acknowledged conservative. RFK is certainly a liberal in the tradition of his father and his uncle, his father being Robert F. Kennedy, his uncle being former President John Kennedy. And it's a lesson, it's really a master lesson to watch that interview and see what it's like to have a dialogue between two people who are very far apart politically, perhaps even philosophically to some extent, are completely civil and able to have that conversation. But most importantly, I would say you should watch it for the following reason. Watch Jordan Peterson graciously, civilly, professionally ask very difficult questions when it's clear that he doesn't have the same perspective, the same stand that RFK has. But nonetheless, he was gracious, he was inquisitive, he was receptive. It's a master lesson in how we should be talking to one another, not just when we're talking to people who believe what we do, but when we're specifically talking to people who believe something other than what we do, or if not belief, at least have a perspective other than we have. I've always said, I can't learn anything from what I already know because I know what I know. I can only learn from people who have something to offer me that even if it challenges me, even if it seems to ire me to some extent, it's looking at that and understanding what the challenge is, understanding why it may raise my blood pressure, is an opportunity for me to grow, because I believe everyone has something valuable to add to every conversation. So now that I've given Jordan Peterson his moment, let me move on to really what is the bulk of this particular episode, and it's about honesty and courage more than anything else. Two of my favorite topics, actually. I want to talk about RFK in that interview and beyond, and I want to talk about Tucker Carlson. And then in the end, I just want to talk a little bit about testimony from an FBI uh, assistant director that took place this week. And it is, in fact, important because it brings a stark contrast to what I want to share with you about both RFK and Tucker Carlson. So as I said, I not only watched the interview with Jordan Peterson and RFK, I also had watched RFK's announcement speech when he announced his candidacy, which was, I think, 90 minutes long, unprecedented. I remember walking away from that, and I think I mentioned it in a prior podcast, just stunned, not only by his intellect, not only by his memory, and not only by the inside information he has by nature of who he is, who his family is, and what his political connections are, And his legal professional history has been not just that, but his willingness to name names, his willingness to talk historically about events that impacted all of us, about the Iraq war and about the military industrial complex, and to name names, to actually name names that we know and put blame probably where it belongs, but where you never hear it because mainstream media has an agenda, and it's to cover for those very people. In that interview, RFK exhibited once again, his insight, his inside knowledge, his honesty, and I would say more than anything, his courage, which happens to be a quality I think is the singularly most lacking quality in the human species. I think we, across the board, lack courage. He is really brilliantly courageous if there is such a combination. For example, he spoke about Big Pharma and its incestuous relationship with both governmental agencies that regulate it and also what happened during the passage of Obamacare. He explained that Obama could not get Obamacare passed without the pharmaceutical companies jumping on board and approving. So he cut a deal with them. A deal you and I knew nothing about, which was there would be no price caps on pharmaceuticals. No price caps on pharmaceuticals. It's why your drugs cost what they do. God forbid you don't have any kind of prescription drug insurance that covers the cost of some of these insane prices that are on prescriptions and that are on drugs that are vitally needed by people because they have chronic conditions. It's why people go to Canada for medication, order it from Canada. It's because it's cost prohibitive here. Canada has price caps. So Obama, in addition to promising us that our premiums wouldn't go up and we could keep our doctors, neither of which was true, and both of which they knew in advance was not true when they sold it because there was a subsequent video by a member of his administration admitting that they were lying going into the passage of Obamacare as to what it would be like for those of us receiving it. Not only that, but they cut a deal with the pharmaceutical companies not to raise their prices and not to put any limits on what they could charge Medicare. Hence, a big part of Medicare corruption is its relationship with big pharma. He also spoke about the environmental movement. And what I found so fascinating about that was that, you know, I talk about that there are only two emotions, love and fear. Well, he spoke about his activism in the environmental movement, and it goes back 40 years. He began representing the fishermen in the Hudson Valley because the river was completely polluted and there were no live fish in the Hudson 40 years ago when he started representation of the fishermen up there. He explained that his passion for the environment, is born of love. It's not born of the fear that we're sold every day about we're going to end the planet and carbon emissions are going to end the planet and we've got five years left or 10 years left or whatever AOC or somebody else is marketing this week. That's not why. He said his motivation was growing up. It was seeing tadpoles under rocks by the creek, It was a stream of butterflies and the color that went across his vision. It was his involvement in nature, his exposure to nature. And he said that in order to succeed as an environmental attorney, he had to be knowledgeable, in the environment. He had to know the science because you can't go to trial. I can tell you as an attorney, you can't cross-examine an expert unless you pretty much make yourself an expert in that field before you ask the first question. That's the way you succeed at trial on issues that involve expert witnesses. And he became an expert in the science, not only in the science of the environment, And I digress here a minute when I say the science, because unlike Fauci and the science, there was no settled science on COVID. There is settled science on some things about the environment. He was saying that he became an expert not only about the environment, but also about vaccines. And I won't go into it here, because I know a lot of people immediately shut down when they hear anti-vax but you really can't shut down until you listen to him talk about it. The depth of knowledge and the data and the amount of research that he has done and continues to do is indisputable, as are the quality of the experts that he has both discussed it with and cross-examined. I'm not here to tout RFK as a candidate or as a president, you know, if he gets the Democratic nomination, I'm not here to say I'm voting for him. I'd never say who I'm voting for to begin with on, on this podcast, because I have concerns about him. That's not why I'm telling you this. I have concerns because he either didn't know what DEI was, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or he had forgotten because he needed Joe Rogan in an interview to clarify it, Actually, I think it was in the Peterson interview. He also repeatedly ignored Peterson's distinction between equal opportunity versus equity of outcome. They are very different. Equal opportunity means everybody gets the same chance going in. Equity of outcome means you guarantee everyone the same outcome regardless of the effort, time, energy, intelligence, whatever they put in on the front end equity of outcome is dangerous and it's totalitarian and it always leads to the suppression of the many by the select few. He didn't have an answer twice, Peterson asked him, as to how he would bring the Democratic Party back from the radical left minority that has hijacked it. He didn't have that answer. So yes, I have concerns about him, but he had a goal that was quite noble, and that is to bring the nation together. He believes that rather than point fingers, which is why he didn't answer some of the questions that maybe were somewhat set-ups by Peterson, such as how are you going to bring the Democratic Party back from the radical left? There's a presumption there, right, in the question that the left is radical and has taken over the party. I'm not going to say yes or no, it's right or wrong, the presumption. I'm only saying he didn't take the bait. And what he said was, I would rather avoid pointing fingers. I want to bring people together. And I think the way to do that is through the things we have in common and to go back to some fundamental liberal principles that were JFK liberal Democratic Party principles of that era. At times, he seems a little naive. At times, he seems a little Pollyanna-esque. At times, he almost seems okay with the bureaucracy except when talking about the FBI, the CIA, and uh, the national um, security apparatus. There are other bureaucracies in our government other than those, and he has good reason to be suspect of them. There's certainly belief and perhaps even evidence that they were involved in certainly the assassination of his uncle, John Kennedy, and most likely the assassination of his father, Robert F. Kennedy. So while that approach of bringing people together is noble and seems a little naive, the thing we know for sure is the other way isn't working. The way of division and separation is a complete failure, and it has brought us to the brink of where we are now. The real question with him is whether those in what we call the deep state, or you can call it the entrenched political class in Washington, whether those groups of people, be it the deep state or the entrenched bureaucracy, and those in Davos and those in the corporate world that are making a fortune and those in the industrial military complex that continue to profit off of war, including Ukraine, whether they will let him be if he is elected, or whether they will do to him what they did to his uncle, what they did to his father, and in a way what they're doing to Trump. I want to shift to Tucker Carlson now, because there's something that these two men have in common. And I believe what they have in common are honesty and courage. You may not like Tucker Carlson, but do you not like him for your own reasons? Or do you not like him because he was affiliated with Fox and because other mainstream media outlets and perhaps even other cable broadcasters and podcasters Condemn him, and you're following someone else's lead. I say this because, you know, Fox jettisoned him. And whether the reason was that it was part of a negotiated settlement with Dominion over the voting machine and over the defamation that took place on Fox, or whether it was that the Murdochs have had enough of Tucker Carlson, either his political perspective or, as I believe, his honesty, two recent episodes of his podcast, Tucker on Twitter, have dropped. The last two are this. One is called America's Principles Are at Stake, and the other is called "Wanna Be Dictator. Let me talk for a minute about both of those, or each of those. The first one, America's Principles Are at Stake. When I listened to it, I thought about RFK Jr., because these two men share insight, they share inside knowledge, they share courage, and they share honesty. They both exhibit all of those qualities. The main point in the America's Principles Are at Stake podcast episode that Tucker did was why they really want Trump gone. And what he says, and I'm sharing it with you because. It weaves in beautifully with what RFK said, which then leads me to say, these two men know something we don't know. Tucker said the reason they really want Trump gone is foreign policy and nothing other than that, because that's where the power and the money are. He referenced Eisenhower's farewell speech when he left the presidency and he talked about the industrial military complex. It's the same thing that RFK spoke about in the Peterson interview and in a subsequent interview, I believe, briefly. He had a three-hour interview, but briefly during it with Joe Rogan, RFK spoke also about the military-industrial complex. I mean, after all, he believes it killed his uncle and probably his father. And Tucker said that what Trump said in the Republican candidate debate in Greenville, South Carolina in 2016 is what did him in, is what assured that they would get rid of him one way or another sooner or later, because this is what he said. Well, he first said there were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and that our going in there destabilized the Middle East and turned Iraq into a subset of Iran, but then he said something else that was even more dangerous and more controversial. And, he, and I re-watched this moment in the debate, and he said it with vigor and passion. He said, and they all knew there were no weapons of mass destruction. That was it. He was saying they took us to war for no reason, and they lied to us about what that reason even was. It was a manufactured reason. Well, RFK says the same thing. These two men say the same thing, and an awful lot of people have said it, but when people of that level of knowing say it, and say it out loud, and say it publicly, I listen. Tucker also said that those who didn't actively react to what Trump said in the 2016 debate sought to destroy him covertly, that he was surrounded by flatterers and sycophants, who, until he lost power, praised him up and down every day. And then when he lost power, turned on him. And he particularly cited Mike Pompeo. And he said that everyone saw Mike Pompeo do it. He's talking, Cut Tucker, about everyone on the inside, which he was and still is to some degree. He said everyone watched Pompeo do it. And now he's on cable television burying Trump. And then there's Tucker's second episode. Actually, it's his fourth episode, but the second I'm referencing here. It's called The Wannabe Dictator. And he talks about when the Trump indictment came down, Joe Biden was making some public statement somewhere and CNN was covering it. And the chyron, which is the wording that's on the bottom of your screen when someone is speaking or an anchor is broadcasting, the chyron said, wannabe dictator, I think it said wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political opponent arrested. That chyron was up for 30 seconds and CNN pulled it down. They then castigated the producer and fired him. According to Tucker Carlson, who ought to know, because he was at Fox for a long time, that producer is one of the most competent and talented people at CNN. But he was gone in a heartbeat. Why? Because he spoke the truth. Wannabe dictator. And then, and then, Tucker went on to describe in this podcast what a dictator does, how you define a dictator, what their behavior looks like, what their financial situation looks like, how they deal with power, how they deal with, with adversaries and foreign entities. And on every single criteria, Biden gets a 100. And so, yes, the chiron was true, And whoever put it there, not whoever, I don't know his name, but the CNN producer who put it there, it cost him his job because you're not allowed to speak the truth. That's cancel culture, and that's totalitarianism. I want to contrast for you what I've shared with you about RFK and what I've shared with you about Tucker Carlson. With testimony this past week before the Senate Judiciary Committee particularly questioning by Senator Ted Cruz from the state of Texas of a career intelligence administrator. Deputy Director Ubata, I believe his name is, testified, and he was asked by Ted Cruz about the whistleblower information that came forward in the last couple weeks, that there is an FD-1023 report filed, there was filed, with the FBI, which indicates that Biden personally took $5 million of a bribe to affect U.S. policy when he was vice president, and that in addition to the FD-1023, there are 17 recorded conversations, 15 with Hunter and two with Joe Biden, substantiating that allegation. So here's what Cruz asked of Deputy Director Ubata. Did you investigate in any way, shape, or form the allegations in the FD-1023 from a known, reliable FBI source? And Ubata responded, I am not going to comment. Now, whether it's the lawyer in me or whether it's just common sense... I said to myself immediately, wait a minute. He was asked if the FBI investigated the allegations in that filed report. There are three possible answers to that question. Separate from I'm not going to comment, the three possible answers are, we did not, that's number one, we did not investigate it. Number two, we did investigate it and we found nothing incriminating about the president. And three, we did investigate it and we found the allegations to be verifiable and true. So why wouldn't he answer number two? Why wouldn't he answer we did investigate it and we found nothing incriminating? They've had it for two years. It was filed in 2019. I'm sorry, it was filed in 2019. I think it was filed in 21. I think they've had it for two years. So why wouldn't he answer that, yes, two years we've been looking into it and there's nothing there? Well, I can tell you why he wouldn't answer number one or number three. He couldn't answer number one by saying, we did not, because that would indicate that the FBI did not do its job. And he couldn't answer number three, which was, we did, and we found the allegations to be verifiable and true. He couldn't answer that one, because if that was the answer, they were keeping from you and me the fact that the President of the United States is for sale and personally profiting from harm being done to the United States through manipulating foreign policy so that he could get paid for his manipulations. And the other reason they couldn't answer number three... We did, and we found allegations to be verifiable and true because that would have meant that Trump was right on the call with Ukraine on which they impeached him because on that call, he was asking Ukraine to look into Biden, Burisma, and corruption with Ukraine. So we had RFK and Tucker Carlson being courageous Forthcoming, honest, and risking—I would say—their personal safety. And then we have an FBI agent, stone, FBI. I'm sorry, Assistant Director, stonewalling the Senate Judiciary Committee. The contrast couldn't be greater. So, what's the takeaway? Well, I would say it's this. Pretty much, there's a tremendous amount of hate for Jordan Peterson. And a tremendous amount of hate for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And a tremendous amount of hate for Tucker Carlson. And a tremendous amount of hate for Donald Trump. There is a saying, if they hate you or they're out to get you, you must be doing something right. Those four people I just named are hated I'll let you draw your own conclusions about if the adage applies and why. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again next Sunday. And until I am, by all means, keep up the good work. Think for yourself.
0: Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.